Yeah, it was my 10th time. And so going into the race, uh, I would say uh, probably my, my biggest concern was like uh, riding that line where you red line. Yeah, trying, trying to just keep myself as close as I can to the highest I can get. Uh, the furthest like uh, performance without redlining, and uh, also I was, I was really uh, with it being my tenth bad water. I mean, every year I go out now, I was trying to with bad water. I just love the race, so I'm always trying to go out and win the race now. And you know, with it being my tenth, you know, I had a little added like you know engine to to want to do well, and uh, you know I, I can't control what ever else is going to happen in terms of other runners and like who is going to be really strong or, uh, you know, push me and things like that. But I was just trying to get the right balance of, of hitting the right pace, uh, which, you know, Dion probably can tell you as well was, it was a bit challenging this year because of the headwind. So I've, in the 10 years I've run the race, we, we did in the, uh, back in 2011 and 12, we had like a strong headwind going up Towns Pass during a daytime race. Uh, that were that was pretty brutal. It's like getting a hairdryer on you. But uh, doing the race this year, where it seemed like the first 35 miles, we had a really strong headwind, and that's like really different. So I'm excited to announce I've teamed up with the John Wayne Cancer Foundation, and so. You're going to start hearing a little bit about the John Wayne Grit Series of Races. So this is a nonprofit uh, foundation that's set up, and a lot of their fundraising comes through these races. The race director, Molly, and I um, have chatted before, and Ethan Wayne, John Wayne's son, and I have also talked prior. We're going to have them both on for an upcoming episode, but they have five races now hopefully i can talk them into putting on some ultras and collaborating down the road but they have some really cool races they have a half marathon in flagstaff arizona coming up september 4th highly recommend if you're in the area check it out it's just such a great foundation such a great cause and cancer is something that affects all of us we're we're all one step removed from from knowing someone that's been deeply affected by it so I'm just, I'm very excited to work, you know, with the John Wayne Cancer Foundation, team up, not only have fun with races and, and those type of challenges, and those hopefully we'll put on some special events together and collaborate on that front as well, but it's just a good organization. It's helping a lot of people, so couldn't be prouder to be teaming up with them. Also, big thank you to Tannery Outdoors. If you're interested, use uh, the promo code ULTRA10 for 10% off. But this is just a great company. You know, it's designed for runners by runners. Uh, the founder is an ultra runner. And it's an all-natural mineral-based product, which in this era of, of sunscreen recalls and everything taking place there, it's just comforting knowing um, this, this is a, a good, honest company and um, it, it cares about the ultra running community. It cares about the trails and in the national parks and state parks. I think 1% of their sales goes back into the park systems and they, they definitely support, you know, some really great ultra runners and ultra running podcasts. So um, I really like their lip balm. 
moisturizer and sunblock. I, I definitely have used their sunblock. I, I don't lather it on probably like I should, but um, a little, it feels like it goes a long way, but don't, don't quote me on that. The lip balms smell too good. Um, they're, they're actually really nice and they have SPF 15. That's something a lot of runners don't think about is uh, some protection for their lips. Plus having lip balm in, in your pack or wherever during races can come in handy. Uh, it's, it's a uh, great company and I truly appreciate their support of the podcast. Thank you to Exoskin. Definitely check them out. T, the number 4U20 for, I think it's 15% off at this point. It, it ranges throughout time, but they have new colored toe socks and you know I'm a sucker for toe socks. I, I absolutely love those. Definitely throwing on the toe socks. Their calf sleeves are great. They now have underwear and compression tops and i i really am a big fan of almost all their products i use them during all my races so shout out to exoskin thank you patreon supporters we're throwing in this new patreon kind of addition you get to be a part of the audience of my interviews so i can't promise it for every single one but for a lot of my interviews, I'm now sending out within the closed Facebook group an audience member link so you can listen uh, and, and watch real time when I'm doing the interviews. So you'll know all the mass editing that I do, but it's just another added benefit for you Patreon supporters. And I couldn't do this without you guys. You make this all work. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man, so you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey everyone, it's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? I decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. All right, I'll, uh, I'll kick it off here. I'm joined here by Harvey Lewis. He is a renowned ultra runner, adventurer, teacher, and uh, a recent winner of the Badwater 135. So Harvey, thank you for joining me. And we're also joined by Dion Leonard. He's a inspirational teacher, ultra runner, New York Times bestselling author of Finding Gobi, and... Uh, just finished sixth place at Badwater 135. So really glad to be able to make this happen. And uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much, Rob. Yeah, Rob, thanks it's again. Good. And uh, looking forward to hearing all about Harvey's phenomenal win. And uh, yeah, this is what a water race. Incredible. I mean, I'll start it off with the commonality of our group. We all started as just generally overweight guys and somehow we found ourselves doing ultra running and we all enjoy the the stupid long distances <laughs> i mean 
it's an interesting commonality. Harvey, I'll start with you. Just what was that transformation like? And I, I want to give the listener just some background on both you guys. And then I want to talk a lot of bad water. I want to hear a lot about your races this year. Yeah, absolutely. And and also I want to say thanks to Jan. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with you. And uh, I just uh, almost finished with his book. Uh, and it, it's been a real pleasure having that up in the boundary waters for, for the reading material. Uh, so it, it did catch me also like your story. I'm interested to hear about that. Uh, um, we, we, but my story goes further back with my, my weight. I was like a obese kid, a fat kid. So I was uh, like chunking goonies. And so I went through, uh, I got into running like when I was a teenager and, uh, and I kind of lost my weight that way. So, um, but, uh, I, it, when I, I do think back sometimes to when I was, uh, uh, you know, I, I was, um, you know, that dealing with the, the weight. Um, and uh, it, it, at that point in my life, you know, I mean, of course, I was a, uh, a kid, but I really didn't, um, you know, put the, the pieces together in terms of like, you know, what, what, what you're eating and how that impacts you. I just ate everything. <laughs> and like, uh, you know, it's all, I love desserts and I, I just would eat, you know, my mom would go to Taco Bell and they thought we were having a party because <laughs> they would order like 10, <laughs> 10 things that, yeah, I have like a couple of my friends over and we just see how much we could humanly eat at one time. Uh, but I, I really, you know, didn't feel that great, like uh, heartburn and like, uh, digestion, things like that, that, that are, you know, unfortunately, like, uh, you know, it, it, it was really impacts, uh, impacts you. So it's it, now it's, it's, it's kind of almost hard to think back to that point. Um, but when I do, it just makes me appreciate like, uh, feel the way I feel today. Like at 45, I feel the healthiest of my life. And it's, it's nice to have found ultras and also, uh, your nutrition and, and, and the lifestyle. How about you, Dion? You were um, you were a little overweight before getting into running. Is that correct? <laughs> I was a little so, overweight. Uh, well, actually, I think I was fitter when the race <laughs> finished than it started. <laughs> um, I, I guess mine's, mine's completely the opposite to Harvey's, actually. I was a really fit kid and... Uh, the sport was actually something that got me through the teenage years. You know, I think it's sort of well documented that I had a different uh, to me leaving home at an early age. So sport, having family, having someone there, something to look forward to, to go to training throughout the week and then play on the weekends with my fellow teammates. So throughout my teenage years, I was, I was fit. I was skinny as a rake and, uh, I didn't. I never. I never ran though. It was never a runner. Never. Never liked it. Had to do it a couple of times at school. Wasn't bad at it, but just never really took to it. Uh, I guess into my early twenties is when I started to smoke cigarettes, uh, pack a day smoker, very very heavy drinker, um, and overeating. And I mean that really led to me ballooning out to around two hundred and fifty pounds, which uh, you know is a pretty big guy and. Thankfully, through my wife and a couple of circumstances that happened, I, I got into running and lost weight through that. 
just like you, Harvey, I'm 46 and uh, probably feeling the happiest and healthiest and uh, probably in the best shape of my life as well since I've been at least 13 years old. So um, running has been not only a great physical thing for me, but mentally as well, it's been a huge help to sort of deal with those things, uh, those demons from the past. Yeah. Both these guys are very tall, by the way. So if uh, if you're ever going to take a picture in the middle of them, you have to be at least six feet tall to look normal. Um, but let's talk a little bit about that. Harvey, you're known for your positivity. What, um, what have you utilized over those years since taking up running? It was high school or middle school? Um, yeah. Yeah, I got into running uh, in eighth grade. And I, I first to start off, I, I wanted to uh, get in shape for football, and uh, I was terrible at football. I was like third string <laughs> defensive tackle. Um, but uh, we always had to do laps before practice, and I, and I would always try really hard. So I that kind of got into it that way. And uh, then I did like uh, eighth grade track, and I did high school track, but I never was really. Uh, fast or I, I normally finish towards the back of the group. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, uh, I, I did like, uh, latch on to the, the, uh, feeling you get from running like, um, that, uh, it kind of like settles yourself. Like, you know, it's like you get that sort of Zen feeling, uh, after you finish running. Like, so if you feel stressed or you feel like, uh, some whatever your emotions are it, running is a nice like uh Dion's kind of expressing it's like a it's a it's a great uh medium to deal with like uh with therapy you know in a sense yeah yeah, yeah so so it's very therapeutic and and then just running became adventures to me so I, I always associate running with adventures and I, and I and I've met so many people through it and seen so many places that 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 uh always draws me to that that positive like you know feeling and i, I try to you know uh, if i have in a race for example like negative thoughts i always uh, try to replace those with something positive yeah i always tell my team members like we, we can't have a single negative statement like if you have a negative thought you have to like switch it to something positive um i mean during races do you like to talk a lot um i i've been I've been told that Dion at times does not like to talk that much during races. Um, do you do you actually like to have conversations though during during Badwater, you know, in 2021, or are you just in the zone and kind of you keep mellow? You know, it really varies a lot um, on the race, uh, but I typically do like some moments where I enjoy talking. But then there's other moments where I definitely need to get into like a sort of meditative zone. And I just need to focus on my breathing and my form and like uh, just channel the energy around me in the environment. And so that that experience, I absolutely love, like uh, getting into that, like a uh, very deep, conscious, uh, meditative state when you're moving forward running. Uh, but then there are other times like where I'm running a race, like, for example, in Big's Backyard. Uh, last October, Courtney and I, we survived, uh, you know, another, you know, almost day together running. And like one of the, the big highlights of that race was like, we would share usually, you know, two or four minutes, five minutes, um, especially on the road, uh, running together. 
uh, several laps. And there were other way, many other times where we were running our own race and doing our own pace. But those moments were really nice to like kind of connect with people. And also in Badwater this time, I I got to run with uh, Mickey, the Italian runner, a little bit, and Zhao, the Portuguese runner, a little bit. So we ran a little bit together, and it was kind of nice to like chat back and forth, even though it was like relatively small. Um, but my crew members, they they kind of had to put up with a little more silence this year. Is that yeah? I did talk, but I was like just trying to conserve my energy because just even like the the action of like processing like conversation when you're in that heat, it feels like it takes energy from you. So you're just like trying to put every bit of energy you have towards forward momentum, <laughs> and that's it. So Dion, you you got into stage races and then eventually found yourself at longer continuous races um i mean did bad water this year feel like 135 stages or <laughs> i mean were you eb- were you ever able to hit that meditative state because of all the kind of constant interruptions yeah it's that's a good point um you know i've only just started running back this week and i'm like looking for the car every two miles now for the next uh <laughs> the next bit of support from the crew it's like how do you go back now to running uh those longer distance races without your crew and your team there stacks and spraying down i mean Hardboard is certainly something more incredible than, than a lot of other races. And, you know, it's, it's phenomenal just to have all of that support there for that race. Um, you know, I really fell into running 100 milers by accident. I was out in China. I The Gobi story had happened. And uh, I actually knew that there was a Mount Galagong 100-mile race happening in China at the time, and that was being held by Badwater. So... Uh, I, I reached out to them and said, look, you know, would you like me to come out? You know, is there any chance I can come out to the race? Registration's already closed. And, and they invited me out. And that was my first 100-mile race. And Chris and the team were out there from Badwater. And uh, little did I know that would be the start of a journey to to try and get me through all the way to what happened two weeks ago, being on the start line of Badwater. Um, so it's, you know, for me being a bad water was, was quite a journey as well. And it was, it was more than I ever thought possible running hundred miles and 200 mile races and everything in between to get there. Do you like to, to speak during races much? Do you, do you like to talk to your crew and, and your pacers? Cause, uh, well, I think there's a time and place for, uh, for, <laughs> and you know, you know, you, you spent the whole, uh, 30 hours with me out there. Um, you know, a time when you do want to just sort of be in your own head, your own movement, your own thought process and thinking about everything that's going on. Plus you're struggling in the heat and the wind and the moment as well. So you're trying to balance everything off while still being happy and positive and trying to have the trajectory to go forward as best you can. So I think there's time and place for it, isn't it? I, I'm normally pretty good for a stretch as well. And then it just gets to a point where I'm like, okay, I could, I could have a run on my own now and just sort of, t- I'll probably end up talking to myself anyway. So yeah, I think there was a few moments where I uh, probably zoned out from the conversation, but uh yeah, I, I can listen to it more than I probably would participate in it. I mean, 
really quick before we go into this year's bad water harvey you came up with doing the arrowhead 135 right after i think it was your 2014 victory and i thought like if any race is pretty much the ideal antithesis like mirror image of badwater 135 that race is down to the mile like the opposite what made you come up with that idea had that been done before you did you make that connection um i just wanted to hear just a little bit of background on that because that idea is stuck in my head which is never uh, a safe idea <laughs> oh yeah yeah, actually, uh, the Arrowhead 135 is an absolute treasure. It's a it's an incredible course, and you know they have the Arrowhead 135, the Brazil 135, and the Badwater 135. So they're all uh, some semi associated, uh, although run by different entities. So uh, other runners have done it in the past and and run the the three races. Uh, and so, yeah, it just drew me in. I, was, I, I, I love that ultra running has all these different specializations. Like, I mean, Dion, yeah, you know, the, the stage races. I mean, it's really neat that you've, you've done the one in uh, Namibia and, and then also the uh, Marathon de Sables and uh, the Gobi Ultra. Um, those races are so unique uh, in terms of your preparation and execution. And the winter races are a whole nother animal. And, and I, I I, if I didn't teach high school and I could get off more time, I'd probably go to Arrowhead every year. Um, but it's, it's really tough because it happens during the, the week. And so I kind of have to pick and choose maybe one big race a year to go to during the school year. But uh, the environment is stunning. You're going across frozen lakes. You're pulling a sled with all your mandatory gear. And uh, it, it's, it's really interesting because you get this unique niche of ultra runners who are really hardened towards cold, cold weather running. And, uh, to contrast that, like where you're, you're looking at a difference of like 140 degrees, you know, is, is really exciting going from like death Valley to, you know, the arrowhead, uh, international falls region of Northern Minnesota is really beautiful. Uh, but Rob, yeah, I'd like to do more. <laughs> Rob, don't don't go getting any ideas. If you're going to do bad water next year, I'm happy to crew you there. But uh, <laughs> I'm not going sled, out to yeah. the cold. <laughs> yeah. the sled. Oh, that trees are amazing too. Yeah, like incredible trees. Very thin and tall. Uh, you can hear like, oh, it's beautiful. I mean, were you the first to almost win both? Or like, had I don't believe so. I, I think uh, I think Zach Gingrich, uh, he had won Badwater maybe in 2012. And I think he, he had won both uh, in the past, but I'm not positive on that. Is um, that the rule? If but, you win Badwater, you have to show up to the start line at Arrowhead? And... Oh, I, I think that only a few of us have done that. Only a couple of us have done that. Uh, but I'd love to go back because it's, it's very interesting. It's like the, the it's very technical race. And so, uh, there's so many things you can improve upon, like your, your, your packing of your gear and getting it like just right. Uh, yeah, it, it makes such a tremendous difference. Uh, there were people sled riding down, you know, the, the hills on their sleds and I wasn't equipped to that. I'm like, well, that is amazing. And it was just, it was funny to watch. Like they jump on their sled and they just slide right down. Like, well, it's, it's totally legal. 
But I, I was equipped to do that with mine. I saw it was like a U-Haul I'll truck you, or something. A, a sled ride down into Panama Springs would have been pretty good too. <laughs> Could that you imagine that? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Well, Dion, I think we have to add that element to our film that we're working on. So um, we'll book the flights out to Minnesota. And, um, so let's talk about Badwater 2021. I mean, I want to hear from both of you. I'll start with Dion. What were you most intimidated about going into the start line of this race? Uh, getting to the finish line because it had been a bit of a journey to get there. It, I had had some niggles uh, from before COVID. COVID was a lengthy stretch. I mean, let's face it, it's still going on now, but uh, that, that sort of time last year, uh, niggles, injuries, uh, things sort of happened outside of running that wasn't really motivating me to run. It was a difficult sort of process and uh, I was considering going to Cocodona 250 this year and uh, it really was sort of I was hoping that would motivate me to get back running and want to get out and, and start pushing again, but it just I just could not find the motivation to get going again. Put my name into the bad water hat, got drawn for that, and it was a sudden realisation back in February that this race was soon going to be around the corner and, um, you know, I had to get out and start running and lose some weight and get motivated and get off the couch and get going again and stop sort of... I guess making excuses and reaching for a beer every day and uh, reach for the trainers instead. So for me, the, the four months, five months, whatever it was, um, was a real, real battle against fitness and real, really putting my body under pressure as well to, to drop a few kilos, get fit, but also then the injuries were playing up as well. So on the start line, I wasn't so concerned about the distance necessarily from a 135 mile point of view. It was more just Every people here all put their time, money, commitment to be there to support me. I was there. It cost a lot of money to be there. It was like, I just want to make this. I just wanted to get to the finish line. So I didn't care what position or what time. I really just wanted to make it happen for everyone that was there for me. That was so. That was the pressure. Dion, you're you're originally from uh, Queensland, Australia. And That's right. You've lived in Edinburgh, uh, Scotland, uh, and now are you actually a resident uh, in the U.S. or what is your? Are you are you now in Las Vegas? We are residents, I guess, temporary residents of the U.S. Okay. Uh, so I have a three-year visa, and we've been sort of traveling throughout. Luckily enough to be able to stay in Arizona and Las Vegas, and currently we're up in Oregon. So. Uh. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're sort of experiencing a lot of the U.S. and uh, just sort of getting out and, and making the most of the adventure. That's really neat. Yeah, that, that could have impact your training too based on where you're living. Yeah, it makes it more challenging in certain places maybe than other places. It, Were you living in Vegas uh, up until Badwater, like a couple yeah. of months? Or, yeah. Well, we were there for a month, which was great because we had, you know, the heat wave came through adapted to the heat the heat's not really never an issue really for me and it's been one of my strengths um, so going into the race my mindset and our sort of game plan was always just to take it easy but just be continual and just be sort of pushing all day but not not you know blowing a gasket at one end not going too slow 
and just try and pick people off at the end. And I think we, we came through the field from about 23rd to 16th and then really started to pick people off um, the last 30, 40 miles. And that was the game plan all along was to really get through three quarters of the race and then think about what we can do to, to, to get a half-decent result. That's, that's pretty huge to go from 23rd to 7th. That's, yeah, that's think, really neat. And did you start making that movement around the midpoint at mile 72? Or where, where did you start to really, like, start to pass people at that? I guess it is really uh, time to shout out to Oswald Lopez team who helped yeah. me uh, the climb out of Panama Springs. I didn't stop in Panama Springs. I made a conscious point there. There was a lot of people um, – with their crew there and I wanted to get through that point quite quickly and just sort of see if I could push on a little bit. I got a little bit caught out in that climb coming up out of Panamint. The heat was the hottest part of the day and uh, I struggled a little bit. Got to the car park, uh, one of the car parks along the climb there and I was really, really struggling and sort of got sat down, some towels on me from my own crew and uh, the Lopez team were watching me and uh, I was I wasn't in good shape and well, they came out of the car and helped put towels on the right pressure points, gave me some liquid, got some ice under my chest. We, we're, we're battling for position as well with this team and they, that was not a consideration for them at all. They were just like, could see that I needed help. I, they cooled me down so well that I actually started to pick up and run well from that point onwards. And, uh, but they, you know, I, I said to them at the finish line uh, the next day at the awards, I said, you know, how appreciative and thankful I was and how great sportsmanship it was. And they were so happy for me that I went on and, and got into sixth place and had a great race. And I think that just shows you, like, the, the camaraderie of Badwater is, is like nothing else. Yeah, Oswaldo is, like, the, he, is, he is, like, just amazing like that. I mean, uh, the one time I'll just say shout-out to him because – the year he won the race in 2011, the Brazilian who had won the previous year, uh, he had just gotten to a point where he was going to pass him. And the guy had went in his car. And instead of just running past the car, he actually stopped and, like, tried to get the guy out of the car before continuing on. <laughs> wow. And that's, that's his entire, like, demeanor always. Yeah, I mean, you see that throughout the, the, the I think, the field. But but Oswaldo is a special character. Yeah, it was it was a phenomenal moment, and Rob, you were there to witness it as well, and we we were just blown away. I and... mean, my jaw was yeah, it hit the ground. I mean, it was probably the kindest act of like sportsmanship, and it, it wasn't even beyond sportsmanship. It, it's hard to describe. And I just I was filming Dion as he's like suffering. I'm looking at him like. We gotta cool this guy down. He's like his engine's like gonna overburn here, and like right as I'm thinking that out of the the right side, um, Oswaldo's you know crew co- came over, gave their own resources to Dion, and I basically dropped my camera and was like trying to help Dion. I wish I caught that moment, but more importantly, anytime. I was in a predicament. It was always help Dion finish the race, first and foremost. So uh, it, it was a special moment. Um, but I do want Harvey. This was your tenth time running Badwater. Is that correct? Yeah, it was my tenth time. And so 
going into the race, uh, I would say uh, probably my my biggest concern was like uh, riding that line where you red line. Yeah, trying trying to just keep myself as close as I can to the highest I can get, uh, the furthest like uh, performance without redlining. And uh, also I was I was really, uh, with it being my 10th Badwater, I mean, every year I go out now, I was I'm trying to, with Badwater, I just love the race. So I'm always trying to go out and win the race now. And, you know, with it being my 10th, you know, I had a little added like, you know, engine to, to want to do well. And, uh, you know, I, I can't control whatever else is going to happen in terms of other runners and, like, who is going to be really strong or, uh, you know, push me and things like that. But I was just trying to get the right balance of, of hitting the right pace, uh, which, you know, Dion probably can tell you as well, was it was a bit challenging this year because of the headwind. So I've in the 10 years I've run the race, we, we did in the – uh, back in 2011 and 12, we had like a strong headwind going up Towns Pass during a daytime race. Uh, that were that was pretty brutal. It's like getting a hairdryer on you. But uh, doing the race this year, where it seemed like the first 35 miles, we had a really strong headwind, and that's like really different. Like uh, in fact, like in 2019, we had like the equivalent of that wind at our back. So it's like to have that headwind pushing on you really takes a lot more energy and, and it's 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 a bit challenging when you're not used to running in a desert where you have like 50 mile stretches in front of you of finding that balance of where where is that 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 uh, you know that happy pace where you're not like over you know you're overdoing it with your energy use you know and, and it's like it's tough to find that balance Harvey did you um so throughout that evening stage on the first night, did you actually sit back, let a couple of the runners maybe ahead of you? I'm not sure what position you're actually in throughout that, but did you sort of sit back, let some of them do the work through that headwind stage, or were you right at the front battling? I mean, there's a lot of energy being lost yeah. probably in that first part of the right. stage. Right, yeah, and it's also I, I enjoyed reading about you know, your book. Uh, you're talking about that. Uh, and you're, you're, you're yet another guy who you, you end up, you're cutting the wind for him, yeah. like throughout the whole race. And then he, or that stage, and then he passed you in like the last two miles or something ridiculous like that, which is really, it, it, you know, we don't have any formal rules in bad water, but it's like, it's like, uh, if you're going to be running several miles, it's kind of nice to like have some sort of like, uh, you know, we'll, we'll switch, you know, type, you know, uh, you know, uh, fairness into the, the equation. Uh, yeah. What we did the first three miles, we there was five of us that kind of went out in the lead. Uh, Igor, uh, there was uh, Dan McHugh from Colorado. Uh, there was Mickey, the Italian, myself, and the Portuguese runner. And once we got to like, we were running at a pace that was too fast. You know, I mean, it was the first few miles. But once we got to like mile four or five, uh, Dan and Igor, they broke off. They start running like, uh, they just continue running that speed. And then, uh, we kind of slightly like slow down a bit. And then I, I, I just said to, to Jal and Mickey, I said, look, you know, uh, it makes more sense for us to 
collaborate in every half mile, let's switch uh, with who's leading the, the group. Um, because I, yeah, I figured that um, other runners possibly were in packs behind us or we're running too fast and you know a runner behind us is uh, is going to catch us like in the second half of the race because we're using too much energy so uh, i was it we were able to do that for a while um Zhao, like he had something hit him at about mile 22 and then mickey got uh had some hit him as well like mile 30 or so so they end up separating we, then we were like kind of running solo to you know um but uh I also felt you, you felt it like on that second mountain. Uh, and usually that's one of my strongest segments is the second mountain. And this year was my, my, uh, most difficult segment. And I really struggled getting up that second segment. And I, so I, I must've done something. I, I, I have an imbalance in the equation somewhere in the first 72 miles, but I'm not sure where it is exactly you know it's like someone trying to figure out the recipe and, and what exactly where was the point that you you probably over pushed uh because i also felt that on the second mountain and uh yeah I, I my my finish could have been better if i had run the first half a little better i guess i 135 away it's just how you manage <laughs> yeah. through it isn't it so just happened to be the hottest part of the day climbing up there so yeah i actually uh, remember passing the portuguese runner i think it was around 80 or 90 miles in and uh he was suffering from actually being too cold which was it really? just goes That's to show amazing. you the the sort of struggle that your body's in you can be it was still 100 degrees plus and he's he's sitting in uh sitting in a chair shivering and they're struggling to try and warm him up and you know the body just goes through so through sorry goes through so much throughout that whole race. I noticed in the first evening there was uh, a lot of people vomiting, uh, which yeah. I hadn't seen at a at a race like that. I don't know if that was the headwind or if it's the, because you're starting eleven o'clock at night and the heat and the wind and it's all just all those three things combined. But even I had some struggle with that as well, which was very unique for me. I, I never really have have any stomach trouble. I mean, yeah, it's, I'm sorry, go ahead, Rob. No, I was just going to say Michael in the chat room asked how the 11 p.m. start affects your race because neither you guys have the um, advantage of hallucinating like I do during races. It sounds like both you guys just never hallucinate. You're just not pushing yourselves hard enough, apparently. (laughs) Um, But did did the uh, 11 p.m. start affect you guys at all? I mean, probably by the end, you're just exhausted, but in any other ways that people might not be aware of? Well, the 11 p.m. start didn't affect me. It was the person that was in the room next to me at 7 o'clock in the morning that was having a loud phone conversation that affected me (laughs) because I woke up early and I never really got back to sleep throughout the whole day, which you've got until until leaving the hotel at 10 o'clock at night. So that was a little bit frustrating to, to not probably get the rest. So when you get to the finish line, you've done 30 hours, you've still got to get back down to Lone Pine. You think back, well, I was really up since 7 o'clock Monday morning. It's, it's a long, long time to be awake and alert and thinking and having your car there every two miles. There's conversations and thoughts and trying to pick off runners as we were towards the end. Um, but 11 o'clock, it, it's... It, 
adds another element of difficulty, that's for sure. You have time to sleep, it's time to rest, you've probably had a nice meal normally. And so getting up and having to run and then having the headwind thrown in the 100 degree heat was uh, to begin with. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a bit tricky, the 11 o'clock start. You know, we the neat thing about Badwater is we actually have a, a great international contingent. So we usually get uh, 20 or 25 international racers. And so you might think like, well, uh, someone who's uh, based in California is going to have an advantage over someone who's coming from Japan or Poland. Uh, but I think that you know, starting the race at 11 p.m., it kind of shifts all that around. So, you know, a, if you're coming from like, a, you know, a, a eight or 10 hour time difference, actually, it might actually work to your advantage. You know, so morning. you can make it, yeah, you can make it work to, to your advantage. So personally, what I've found is that uh, I, when I, when I travel from Eastern Standard Time, it's a three hour difference. And what, we arrive into Vegas, we always stage from Vegas. And I always stay on Eastern Standard Time the whole time up to Badwater because the first couple of years I did this, I would I would get to Vegas and I would go to bed at like 1030, which is really like, uh, you know, 130 uh, Ohio time. And then I'd wake up at like seven Ohio time, which is like four Vegas time. Like, you know, so I would get like three or four hours of sleep. And I'm like, geez, it's like it's, it's 4 a.m., 5 a.m. in Vegas. I can't go back to sleep. So I always stay on my Cincinnati time when I come out to Badwater. And yeah, I'm very conscious about trying to just, even if I, if I only, uh, if I'm just like laying in bed the day before the race, I, I can't fall asleep. Just like laying there for like a couple hours, uh, just resting my body. It's kind of strange. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm always go, go, go. But the day of the race, I try to like be as like, calm and relax and just lay in the bed, walk around, go to the pool a little bit for, you know, hot tub for a minute, whatever, and then just stay relaxed. But it, it is very tricky and it really messes with some people. And I'll, I'll throw another random one in. Um, Harvey, what's your heat training like? Do you do anything out of the ordinary? Because Dion, I think we've talked about this prior and you just ran a few times in hotter conditions and you really didn't change too much correct dion that's right yeah, okay. yeah. you had that entire that room that's uh that stage with the heaters and uh the, the the treadmill which is pretty cool like you ramp up the temperature there you know yeah you know those days back in edinburgh having the treadmill and then going to compete in desert races the multi-stage races that was the best i could do I mean, if it gets to 80 degrees in summer in Edinburgh, you, you're doing well. So <laughs> turn up in a desert where it's over 115, 120, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a struggle. But for this one, I was lucky enough just to be able to run. We've had a really warm summer in the U.S. anyway. Um, so for me, that, that's, that's enough. And I think, you know, a lot of that comes from my growing up in a really hot environment in the uh, middle of Australia. So, yeah. Yeah, one of the things that first drew me into Badwater was the film Running on the Sun. I don't know if you've seen it, guys. Yeah, uh, it's like a it's an old classic documentary. Uh, but I was so fascinated by all these uh, eclectic people that were, had their own modes of tr training. You know, whether it was like in their laundry room or pulling a tire, you know, wearing a coat. 
So, I mean, it's really interesting because you, you can adapt your body. You can train no matter where you are on the planet. Uh, you just have to use your creativity. Uh, but for me, I usually, I'm fortunate that I live in Ohio and, or I'll be traveling somewhere and it's, uh, I'll just run in the, the uh, warm part of the day. I'll wear like extra layers a couple times a week. Like COVID like affected things, a chance to go and use a sauna like uh, a handful of times. Uh, where you know, I might want to do that a little bit more, but uh, and I kind of enjoy that. I think it's kind of fun to sit in the sauna. It's like feels like detox to me. So yeah, I don't know something about the heat. It, it's like uh, I mean I know they have hot yoga, but I don't know it's something about the heat that it just kind of does um, have some sort of impact on your your uh, your psyche when you're when you're doing something like athletic. I, mean, I, I don't know. It's just yeah. uh, or something like. Uh, animalistic or something that, that, that draws us in. I share that passion for the, the desert like with Dion on this. How many times have the uh, police been called while your mid-June run or your mid-July or whatever uh, run fully dressed like with a coat on <laughs> uh, <laughs> like winter gear on? Right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it, it's muggy right in Ohio so that's another element. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit muggy. Yeah, the neighbors kind of want, they they know already. So okay. it's like, oh, Harvey, geez. we've already called the police like a long time ago. <laughs> right. Not response. It's it's okay. He's a crazy runner. Um, right. Harvey, I'm I'm keen to know. And sorry, Robbie, if you're you, I know you're going to ask this question. I'm really keen to know, like, at what moment you throughout the race you 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 either knew that you were catching the leader. Or there was just a point when you passed the leader, whether something happened. Yeah. What point when you really thought you could win, like the mindset around that, the mindset of you still chasing yeah. first, and just just what was going on in your mind? Like, were yeah. you? Were, did you know that was gonna? You it was it was possible you were working still towards that, or had you sort of backed off a bit? Where were you at when that moment sort of occurred? Yeah. Uh, well, from the beginning, I, I really just was dreaming to win the race. Like, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter if you win or you finish last, but I was just really pushing myself to to try to win the race. And, uh, you know, so like that first pack of five people and I'm looking around at the runners and uh, I know Mickey has won the race before. He's a very strong runner. I know that and I don't know Igor, the uh, Ukrainian. Uh, I didn't know Zhao. I didn't know his capacity. Uh, you know, I didn't know a lot of people's capacities, um, but then I got to uh, checkpoint at mile 42 uh, at Stovepipe, and I was in second, and I was 20 minutes behind Igor. And so at that point, it was reminding me a little bit of 2019, where I was uh, chasing after the Japanese um, champion uh, who got the course record. And so I didn't know if Igor is going to, like, continue to like expand out his lead or if if there's a you know i'm just hanging on to uh you know clinging cling on to that that rope of hope that i'm going to be able to like get him at some point and then uh going up that from mile uh 42 to 72 i ran a really good segment uh, i ran uptown's pass probably as uh, well as i ever have in the past and then coming down, I averaged like an 815 mile coming down uh, the mountain there and into stovepipe wells. 
I'm sorry, Panamint at mile 72. Yeah, I ran a really strong uh, segment. And when I got to that, uh, to Panamint, he had gained 10 more minutes. So he went from 20 minutes to 30 minutes on me. And I had just finished uh, executing moving. like a, a pure, almost a purely perfect segment. And he gained 10 more minutes on me, you know, in a matter of like, you know, I was at 20 miles or something. So, you know, then I'm like, okay, like that's, that's pretty good on his part. But I, like you did, I just like, I didn't really, actually, I, I went quickly to the restroom and uh, that was my first time stopping for like a minute. And I like was continuing on and uh, going up that mountain, then I started really struggling. Like, I, I don't know, it was like the heat, uh, the, the uh, redlining a bit, um, not, not hitting the right pace. Um, and I like just was, I went over to my vehicle a couple of times just to look in the cooler because nothing was really appealing to me. And I'm like, where is there, is there anything I left here? Oh, is that Gobi? Gobi saying hello. Hi, Gobi. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Hello. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to introduce Gobi and, and Carly here shortly. So, uh, yeah, then then uh, I got up. To, I'm just, like, hanging on still. Like, I'm like, well, I'm just, I'm just still, like, fighting every, you know, 100 meters to do the best I can. And then I got uh, to mile 90 checkpoint at Darwin. And... Uh, and I, and I find out there that even though I had such a rough segment from 72 to 90, the leader gained only five minutes on me. So now he's 35 minutes ahead. So I knew at that point that he was feeling it as well. Because I, I, I just went through like the worst segment I've had in a while on that segment. And I knew that he only gave five minutes on me, like then something is not right for him. So then at that point, I'm just like, uh, it just kind of kicked. And I just turned and I said, all right, we're going to go. And I said, like, some, some crazy shit's about to happen. <laughs> and, then, and so I got to him and then they're just like, okay, here we going. And then like five minutes later, a fighter jet buzzed over top of us. And it was like, we were both like cheering like our team had just won the World Cup or something like Ah, you know, the fire jet's probably like, what is going on? These people are like trying to attack my plane. Ah. So and then just boom. And we just were going like uh, eight minutes, eight minutes, eight minutes. And then we get uh, about five miles down the road. And my team says, uh, you know, we, we, we sight the next runner. Like we see, we see Igor and he had like um, been in his vehicle or something like that. So, um, but then once he saw my team, he took off and he had like a, a second wind. So then it took me another. Until we get Harvey back, Dion, um, you went through a similar rough patch on that second climb. Is that correct? Is that a similar spot that um, <laughs> Harvey had trouble with? Is that correct? Yeah. And uh, just sort of springs flying through on their sides it was such a such a rush to see that so um those little things when you're out there yeah so you you had a, a fighter jet buzz over you guys where, where was this uh that was that was through panamint springs um uh, the the flight section in the panamint came flying through on the side and it was just maybe one of those moments feet, just like yeah maybe 100 feet above us just like you were explaining there, Harvey, like just uh, just just gives you that buzz, gives you that rush to to uh, 
to keep 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 going, keep pushing. And uh, you know, one of the amazing things about running the race that I was never really aware of beforehand was just the beauty that surrounds it. There's so much to and to look at. It's not just the road of death for 135 miles. Uh, it's pretty incredible beauty out there. And I found myself actually now the last week or so saying to my wife, Lucia, hey, we've got to go back there and just, you know, hang out in some of these spots and go and do some of the hikes. And I need to get up that mountain, uh, out Mount Whitney and check it out as well. And so for me, there's, there's a lot of reason to go back and probably not for the race again, but definitely to check it out. Well, we'd love to have you back. I hope you do consider it. Yeah, I mean, you, you did really phenomenal. You really finished second. You're running your first time. And, like, uh, you know, I think uh, you, know, you, 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 you could have even a stronger finish next time. Well, something you mentioned earlier about Arrowhead, it's definitely we had a rookie team. I was a rookie runner. We've learned so much. And, and as you mentioned earlier, with Arrowhead, you, you go back and you fine-tune these uh, elements and you know which parts of the race you can attack. I mean, there's, I hadn't even driven the course, so I didn't know what I was in for all day. And, um, you know, that's, that was part of the fun for all of us. It was an adventure for all of us. And, but we were there to, to, to try and do well. Um, so for me, yeah, there is always that little element as to oh, what time could you do, of course. <laughs> but yeah. Rob's, Rob, Rob's going to go next year, so maybe, uh, maybe he'll invite me out to, to crew and pace him. I, yeah, that, that's I, incredible. In, yeah, if I get in, I'll I'll run it, and maybe uh, that'll be the film. Just Dion trying to crew and pace. <laughs> I'll just have you and Lucia, and that's it. Um, <laughs> see if you guys can make it through. But um, in all honesty, so Harvey, you cut out there um, as you were explaining passing, kind of going into first place. As I was trying to hear, kind of what mile were you at? what's going through your mind as, as this is all transpiring and you're going into probably a lot of climbing and I just don't know what time of day it is. Just walk us through what happened there. Yeah. And hopefully uh, we're, we're still connected here, but uh, basically uh, the, the, the real climax was when uh, we got to about nine minutes away from Igor. And so his team, they saw us like, uh, in fact, their vehicle, they drove back uh, on the course to like check out what was happening with me and uh, my, my, my pacer, who's of course running behind me, uh, just to see like how we looked or that sort of thing. And uh, it, it was a really, you know, it was an exciting experience. It was like playing a chess match. You know, you've got like some really critical moves here. Uh, so uh yeah, my team is really experienced. Uh, they, they're phenomenal. Like uh, my friend, uh, Matt Garrett, he's crewed for me nine times. Uh, you know, wow. uh, yeah, Max uh, has crewed for me in three big races, which I, I was able to win. Uh, Judd has crewed for me in bigs. And Alex has crewed for me at the 24-hour world championship. So, I mean, it's like my team was just very solid. And, I mean, it, it yeah, it's it, – Oswaldo has an amazing team. Every, you know, you guys have a strong team as well, but that team is really helpful um, in, in that, in, in these situations. So, um, you know, in fact, like I always tell my team, 
Uh, I'm giving away all, all sorts of secrets here, but I always tell my team that you have to maintain your poker face, you know, like uh, when you're re- really competing those, you know, for those top positions and like, uh, you know, uh, um, yeah. So, I mean, Igor's team that came back to see us and I could see on their, their faces as they drove by us, like, like, you know, it just looks like, oh shit, what has just happened? Uh, you know, it's like, you don't want, uh, and, uh, they, they were striving, you know, Igor was striving, like he really was fighting. Uh, I know he was feeling at the time. Um, but you know, it's like when you, you're, you're the hunter or, the, or the, the hunted, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of tough when, you know, someone's running down on your back and like, I have like the exact, I know, you know I'm watching where he's clicking at that, you know point of reference i know how much time it is point me to there it's easier in in some senses to come from that position where i was in 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 chase so uh yeah i just tried to maintain like good form uh keep like at a steady pace not get too excited like one mile and like drop the pace for one mile and then destroy myself but just keep a steady strong pace and like take my time to catch him. Like, you know, whatever time it would be okay. If it takes 25 miles or it takes Mount Whitney, just take my time to catch him, not, not try to catch him too fast. And then uh, just trying to stay cool and hydrated. Yeah, it's, it really makes a difference. What What's going through your head when you hit Lone Pine, which I feel like you guys ran way too fast. You couldn't get the amazing <laughs> epic view of, you know, going up. Mount Whitney. Um, what, what's going through your head at Lone Pine and Dion? I'm going to ask you the same thing because you took one bite of a cheeseburger and just threw it to the ground <laughs> and gunned it. <laughs> well, and and Harvey, what what how how much was the time that you had on Igor there at Lone Pine? Uh, well, okay, so I, I I eventually passed Igor at mile 104. And, you know, they were phenomenal. Like, uh, they, 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 we both gave, like, a you know, positive gesture to one another. And, like, you know, I, it was it was nice because we, we were pushing each other to be our best, period. You know, it's yeah. like that was really exciting. So from that point on, uh, I didn't really know how far back Igor was. I knew we probably had at least a couple miles on him. But I didn't know how far back he was. So I was just running defense mode, you know, running, like, uh, as, as – evenly and relaxed as I can without overdoing it, but not trying too hard because I knew I had a lead that I could like, you know, keep if I didn't like blow myself up. So, uh, and when I came into Lone Pine, it was just like, okay, now I got 13 more miles, get up to the top and, you know, let's uh, just be consistent. Um, Don't like, you know, do anything stupid and do the best you can. And I, I was also like Dion was saying, I, I've had very limited or very few times in my life where I've, where, uh, I've really struggled with like nutrition. And in this race, I, I had, uh, like me five years ago, I think was the last time I threw up in the Gobi desert, <laughs> in the Gobi trail ultra is a, a desert race. It, yeah. I think it was put together by a different organizers than yours. Um, but, uh, it, I threw up there in 2016 in this race, after I passed the leader, uh, my crew kind of like, they had a little mishap with getting me a drink and ice. And I got overheated, like in just a single mile. 
And I ended up throwing up and I threw up two more times, like uh, between passing a leader and going to Lone Pine. So I was just like, I, the only thing that was appealing to me once I got to Lone Pine was harmless coconut water. <laughs> They're not a sponsor or anything. It's just like a really high quality coconut water. With pineapple and, or no pineapple? Uh, no pineapple. No, no, they, pineapple. no pineapple. Yeah. I don't know that they have pineapple in theirs. Like um, they might. But it's, uh, it, it was the only thing that appealed to me. And then I started, um, also they found like in the, I never have had this in my whole life in a race, but almond milk and like my power O cereal, <laughs> like it's the only thing I could eat. I don't know. It was, it was, it was kind of crazy. So I was going up and, and even when I was doing that, it was like such little morsels. So I, mean, I would like have a potato chip, do a half a mile, have a grape a half mile i mean it's like like i'm i'm going on like fumes here but it's like the coconut water was nice uh and it's just like hang on keep going uh you know keep steady and it, and it also just uh, there were times that i had to say i need to slow down and just appreciate this moment like just look at the mountain and, and appreciate you know being in the lead at this point and hang and, and just keep on fighting for it yeah, I quite was, enjoyed your lone pine. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I quite enjoyed looking back up as you walked up the mountain. You could see all of the cars down below to your right there, and thinking just how far you'd come throughout the day. I mean, that that climb's just so so phenomenally beautiful. And I remember switching my head torch off at one point and just checking out the stars and making sure I made the most of it as well. Coming through Lone Pine for myself was. Uh, uh, was a bit of a actually, I felt I was struggling to eat still. The crew had actually got some burgers and uh, some burgers and some things from McDonald's, and they were all super excited to be eating real food again. And I thought I might try a, a mouth, but and it didn't work. And uh, I left Lone Pine actually in eighth position, and it was like, okay, we knew seventh position had only just left, so that was sort of within our grasps. To, uh, to try and take that position. And uh, actually leaving Lone Pine, I, I got a, a really good sort of, what, fourth or fifth wind and started to motor up the motor up there. And um, we all took turns, the, the crew all took turns at pacing me at certain points along the way and keeping it fresh, trying to keep me going. And the pace was, was phenomenal. I think we actually was probably the only time we were, we were quicker than you, Harvey, was I think we were quickest from Lone Pine to the finish out of everyone, which was, uh, which was pretty phenomenal. Just, uh, you know, where we were at and the, and the movements we were making was, was like, oh, I wish it <laughs> But um, then we got to the last checkpoint. There's that little sort of checkpoint in between the climb from Lone Pine upwards, and they said, actually, you're in sixth position. So we all got super excited. I was just trying to keep it in check because seventh uh, position wasn't far behind us and everyone was so excited about being in six now. I was just like, calm down, everyone. Just we got. Let's just With get to the finish K, line. Yeah, 5K yeah, to go. It's still 5K, you know. Harvey knows those miles well. 500 feet of gain <laughs> per mile uh, into uh, the finish because you guys hadn't already – been through anything prior to that so uh. <laughs> i mean the switchbacks and everything just continued on and then we were trying to work out if we could break 30 hours and personally i didn't really care one little bit but 
it was, of course, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, maybe we can, but by the time we kind of got close to the finish, I was spent. And I tried to run in, but it just we, we didn't do it. But I don't need to go back just to do that. That's for sure. I mean, we're doing 16-minute flat uh, pace up those last three, which was, for me, mind-boggling because I, I had fresh legs and I was really trying hard to keep up and not fall behind because there's nothing worse than a crew or a pacer that's, you know, half a mile behind you. Um, Harvey, tell me about those last three, that last 5K type distance into the finish line. And then what was going through your head when you, you know, crossed the finish line winning? Yeah, it was, uh, honestly, I was still a little edgy about, you know, anyone trailing behind us up to uh, maybe like about five or four or five miles out. And then once we got to the, the switchbacks, you know, I, I, it was at that point I, I thought, you know, we, we really have this. It's We have this. We just, I can't do anything to screw this up. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, also it was just also an opportunity. It was like reflecting back across the whole year and just like this had been a dream of mine. So to like have it come to fruition, I was just trying to uh, stay in that moment and like just appreciate and be grateful uh, just like savor it, you know, just savor that moment, like where you have a dream and you, it's a, it's, it's a very difficult thing and it actually ends up being more difficult than you even anticipate. And then to have all that work come together and, and, and to see it to come to reality from where you, you had thought it, you know, like that, that just was incredible feeling. So I was just trying to, you know, soak in the 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 nature i mean i love that last you know switchbacks they're 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 brutal they're there's they 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 uh you know they eat at your, your you feel the burn in your legs uh but you look out and like you said dion you can like see the cars uh lined all the way out towards darwin you know it's like yeah. you can look back across 40 some miles of the course and you know you you you, you feel the temperature dropping as you each you know mile you climb higher, and you have these big trees uh, that are complete antithesis of like that you know salt flat and the the smell of like uh, burned wood you know in the in the desert. It's it yeah it, it it's just uh, coming across the finish line was like okay you know it just was that like that moment of like wow and it, and like sharing that with the team and uh, also there were other people like. Uh, like uh, that, that uh, yeah, I just was thinking through my mind that that, that we're probably following um, like family or friends and and uh, people that follow my our adventures and and that that was just exciting to you know share that with everybody. You stormed over the finish line. I remember seeing the video. You were you were doing like five minute miles <laughs> towards <laughs> the finish line. Yeah. And wh- where does this finish rate? Compared to your previous win, um, yeah, is is there a, a, a massive knowledge and better runner when you look back, or is it two sort of similar runners? I mean, of course, you've learned things along the way, but how does this compare to the first win? Yeah, the the, the first win was really special because that was like a probably my that was definitely my biggest win uh, up to that point in two thousand fourteen, and kind of just opened up a whole lot of other doors of opportunities once that happened. 
uh, like I, I got invited by the China to go and do the Gobi Trail Ultra. It's like a 241 mile stage race, and and you know uh, they they covered the cost for Marshall and I to come out and do that race, which was amazing. And I did another um, you know thing with the uh, the uh, Marathon de Sables. We we did a documentary with that, and that was another opportunity that opened up. So it it opened the door to other things. Um, that were, were like beyond what I had expected, far beyond what I expected. So that, but this one was also very sweet because you know, now I'm an older runner. And so maybe the expectations are that I, I, I can't, you know, maybe I'm over my prime or, or something like that. And now I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, it's like what, what we think, uh, you know, it's like, I, I don't like to, to hear any, like, you can't do this or we can't do this. I mean, that's something that fires you up, Deanna, I know as well, and, and Rob. And so, uh, you know, it, I, this is just like, uh, I'm not, I'm not done yet. So I'm, I, I see, you know, coming back next year, the year after that, and, and Chris, he's cost me, he's going to be stuck with me for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Dion, awesome. what, what was going through your mind at the finish line? And then will you be Will you ever be talked back into trying bad ones? Come on. Again? Yes, yes. Hi, <laughs> <By> Harvey. <laughs> uh, well, it was a special moment crossing the finish line, as I mentioned earlier. Chris was actually at the first 100-mile race that did the Mount Gallagher Ultra. Dan Lawson, uh, uh, Andrew Kuman. Jimmy Dean Freeman's a lot of bad water people. I can't even think uh, of all of their their names. Um, Becker was there, so I met all of these people at Mount Gallagher. They were like the best bad water ambassadors ever, you know, telling me about this incredible race and how difficult it was and the application process, etc. And I remember sort of hanging out with Chris afterwards and uh, talking to him about applying for bad water and the journey to get to the race get through bad water, be there, be part of it all amongst amazing runners like Harvey, Pete, Mickey, pass, uh, uh, the, the Lopez team, past runners like Mick and Dan and those, those phenomenal people as well that I'm friends with. You know, it made it special for me just to be on the course and just to be in the same breath as Harvey is, is you know, is, is something I'd never have dreamt of back in 2016 when I wasn't even running these long-distance races. So the journey has been a long journey to get to that finish line, not just the 135 miles. Then to experience it and to share it also with my wife, Lucia, who's been through the roller coaster ride of, uh, of life journey. And then, of course, our amazing crew, yourself, Aaron and Joe. And um, that was just crossing that finish line with everyone. And that photo, I just love. I, I, I look at the photo every day now of just us all in smiles crossing the finish line hand in hand together. And for me, that's what it really was. That You couldn't do it without the rest of your team. You couldn't have done it without all of those other races and all those other things that you've been through to get to that point. So in a way... I don't want to go back because it was such a beautiful moment. I don't know if it could ever be replicated again. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, let's, uh, let's close this with uh, some, some puppy. Uh... Some puppy love. <laughs> God, he's going back to sleep. <laughs> Come on, baby. She's trying to jump up here. Come on. <laughs> oh. Here I go. 
There we go. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I can see the resemblance. You can see the resemblance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so Absolutely. there you go. Yogi is very cute. Yeah. You might have you might have that Lara. She was walking around as well. So yeah, Gobi's got a cat. swim. It's a bit cooler here in Oregon today. Swimming, which is be fun. I I bet. So it, it is is her uh, one of her favorite things to to go for the walk and a run still or swim yeah. or still still loves going out on an adventure. The deer walk. We're in a really small town and uh, there's probably five seven hundred people that live here and the deer just walk through the town. And uh, Gobi loves chasing deer and she gets very excited. So <laughs> the simple pleasures. It's still pretty. It's amazing to think back how she uh, she joined you and and just you know it ran along with you. The first and, uh, was it and, three uh, segments of the race, and then she jumped these, across the the water. Tiny little tiny little legs as well. Like you know, right. to to have run eighty miles is uh, is pretty incredible. But yeah, her desert days and her ultra running days are over. Of course, there was no way we could. I'd love to have crossed the finish line with Gobi at Badwater, but um, too hot, too hot. She doesn't like right. the heat. Yeah. I can't imagine crewing with a, a, a dog <laughs> in the car the whole time. Even Gobi, who is like the best behaved dog I've ever seen my whole life. Yeah. Adorable, super nice, but no way. That's so funny. <laughs> Car Carly is not the best behaved. <laughs> I think She's I remember you dog. telling me that. Yeah, but yeah she, uh, she gets feisty. Uh, if I go running without her, uh, you know, she actually she will come and bite my calf muscles. <laughs> she goes and bites the calves. Or she's always trying to get the mailman or mail delivery person. Uh, yeah, she's she's naughty. Even we had yeah, she's naughty, naughty dog. But she's fan. yeah, dogs are amazing, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she brings so much joy and happiness to to our lives, and it's been an incredible journey with you know with Gobi as well. And but it's uh, it's great to see that, and that's how we sort of started talking is through your love for rescue dogs as well, which is which is awesome. And, you know, we ra we actually ran Badwater and raised a good wedge of cash for a rescue home in Edinburgh in Scotland. So uh, that was kind of cool to to tie that in as well. It's really neat. Well. I can't thank you guys enough. I think we've run out of recording time here. Um, thank you for making this happen. I know at the awards dinner, we were chatting actually with the Lopez team right there. And I, I'm just happy that you guys made this happen. I learned a ton. Hopefully the, the listener and the viewers picked up some secrets and, um, and learned more about you guys. And I just really appreciate you both taking so much time out of your busy days and, and now and we've got the dogs on too which is awesome. <laughs> and now we've got all of harvey's secrets i might come back <laughs> i know <laughs> i really hope you do Dion. but i know you're definitely coming back next year with rob and you know it, like you were saying there, there are so many amazing places out in death valley to to see you know once you get out there uh there there are some especially if you could get like a four by four vehicle like there are some really neat spots you would love to explore. Yeah, that's that's definitely on the plans. Well, if Rob will have me, well, let's see. Uh, first of all, yeah, I look forward yeah. to seeing your film, Rob, and uh, how you've only, captured it all out there. Probably the only person I can talk into uh, doing that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but and Dion, do you have any other uh, races ahead in the next like uh, six months or anything else you're preparing for now? I'm going back to stage in October called Transpecos. Uh, it's around the Big Bend area. It's going to be fun to go back to stage racing. It's going to be fun to be out there. I've never run around there. Uh, but yeah, it's just going to be good to be back in that environment and to go and uh, hopefully, um, you know, just, just enjoy it and have fun but run well again. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to just picking it back up again now and uh, training for that. What about yourself? I've got uh, a 24-hour race that's about three and a half weeks away. Uh, so your race is in what month? October. October. Hey, if well, you want to come on out, it's in uh, in Minnesota. You can stay with my parents. Uh, no worries. Uh, it's uh, in the Twin Cities. And uh, it, it's like uh, it was my first ultra 24 years ago or 25 years ago. Oh, so wow. I have a 24-hour race, a 12-hour race, and a six-hour race. But uh, it's a total difference from the stage, right? You don't, you don't have to carry yeah. anything. It's all like there. And every loop you just, it's total opposite. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I, I haven't run the race uh, since maybe 2011 or 12. And uh, I'm going to try to do my best uh, that I've run for that race. And so awesome. It's kind of neat to compete against my 20-year-old self. <laughs> are, are you in in prep for bigs too eventually bigs of course yeah bigs will be the yeah. next um that's the next aa race uh bigs will be yeah big time i'm, I'm super excited about that rob how about you what, what's your next uh anything in the next six months yeah uh leadville bike is in less than two weeks i want to say and then <laughs> the 10k the following day and leadville 100 a week later the run so it's all happening it's gonna yeah. be fun to watch rob it's gonna be fun to watch i mean everyone has to look at the the train wreck you know like it's just no it, it i'm feeling a little bit better than i was during the 50 going into the 50 so um i'm trying to build all this back covid hit me hard with uh just all my training got out of whack so i i really feel like Leadman this year is getting me right on track and then next year i'll um I'll be doing Black Canyon 100K along with the, um, what is the race in Miami that Bob puts on? The Keys, Keys, 100. Keys, 100. Keys 100. Yeah. Hopefully in, in anticipation of uh, dragging Diana out. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's so, exciting. I'm happy to hear that. Well, thank you guys so much. And uh, let's all stay in touch. And if you uh, want to line up another conversation whenever you guys are up for it, you're always invited so thank you guys really appreciate it thanks rob and great chatting with you harvey good to catch up likewise fellas likewise big thank you to the john wayne cancer foundation and the grit series definitely check out that flagstaff arizona half marathon september 4th really awesome big thank you to tannery outdoors all natural skin protection for runners by runners and of course exoskin toe socks or no toe socks a solid high-tech fabric and thank you to patreon supporters you guys are probably in the loop on what's going on but it's a busy week but most importantly don't forget to enjoy your training have a great week see ya